If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us. When we're saved, our sins paid for. We repent. They're paid for with the blood of Jesus Christ. But do you know that every day you have to confess or that fellowship is broken? So confess your sins to the Lord and to confess your faults one to another. We need prayer, don't we? We're looking at third, uh, Second John today. Second John, the epistle of Second John. <clears throat> We're going to read verses 4 through 6, so when you find that, if you stand and read with me. John wrote this epistle late in life, between 85 and 90 years after the death of Christ, so he lived to be an old man, because he was an adult as he was a disciple of Christ. A disciple means follower, and once Christ commissioned them in the upper room, they became apostles. Apostles had to have seen the resurrected Christ to qualify as an apostle. You can't be an apostle today because you haven't seen the resurrected Christ. And so here the disciple, the apostle John, writes to us as an old man. And look what he says beginning in verse 6. He's inspired and he writes and he says, I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in the truth, as we have received a commandment from the Father. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we should, or that we love one another. And this is love that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. God bless us as we take a look in the book for a walk in the world. Lord, I know that I've prayed and prayed and prayed today for you to speak to hearts. And I've studied your word and I'm trusting your guidance today. I'm trusting your guidance uh, with this church to lead this church and to have the right vision. And God, I want more than anything, your will. This is your church, Lord. It's not mine. It's not our members. It's yours. We're just so blessed to be a part of this fellowship. Speak to hearts today, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, John was part of that inner circle. He and his brother, James and Peter. Could you imagine how special they felt to go with Jesus, you in those special places like the Mount of Transfiguration? Several times in Scripture, he took just that inner circle. John also refers to himself several times, five times to be exact, in the Gospel of John as the one Jesus loved. He felt pretty special, didn't he? Now, does that mean God loved him more than he loves us? No, God's no respecter of persons, but he felt loved. And I feel loved by God, don't you? I mean, God's just love. That's what the Bible says about him. So he writes this about walking in the truth. The word walk, as you know, is a metaphor which has to do with living. Walking means to live in truth. And so John begins with these verses by talking about the truth. In fact, you'll find in verse 1, he says he's talking the elder to the elect lady. Some big words. That first phrase can throw you for a loop. He, here's John, the elder. That's our word prespos or presbyteros. We get our word presbyterian from it. It's translated in Matthew, old. means old person. And uh, I know in Baptist churches we have a deacon board, but we like to have old men on our board uh, to help us 
with wisdom and wise decisions. You know, you don't want a 25-year-old bunch of deacons to, to manage the church. They don't have that wisdom yet. In fact, it might interest you to know when Paul said to Timothy, let no man despise thy youth, Timothy was 40. So think about that. 40. And it makes me feel kind of good because I'm 39. Yeah. But, but think, of, think of youth and maturity in the Bible. There's several key ages in the Bible. I wasn't planning on going into this, but at 12 seems to be the age of accountability. That's where Jesus went to the temple to be accountable, to sit under instruction. Now, I know people that have been saved at five, but that seems to be an age in the Bible that stands out as the time of training the bar mitzvah, and these different things. And then 20 in the Bible was an age for an adult. You could, you could be involved in the military and so forth. And then 30, the Levites began to serve at 30. A lot of ages in Scripture. Levites only served till they were 50. And 60 is the age of, uh, you know, a senior. And the, the widows, if they were 60, they were old enough to be taken care of by the church. And all that really is just a bunch of numbers to you. But here he says, the elder, the elder. Unto the elect lady, big, big words. Look over at Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, and uh, we'll get to the heart of the message in a moment, but we want to do some foundational work here. In the book of Ephesians, Paul writes, now this is John writing in 2 John, but now we're going to Ephesians, one of Paul's epistles, chapter 1 and verse 4. According as he hath chosen us in him, Mark this, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. He hath chosen us. That is the same Greek word translated elect. Did you know that God chose me before the world began? That's what it says. How, how could God do that? Because God knows everything. Did you know God knew the day I'd be saved? And he chose me. You know, and we have, I was reared in the, in the Christian Reformed Church. There were five-point Calvinists, and we left because we don't agree with that teaching. And, 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 of course, I have friends that are diehard Calvinists, and they think that John Calvin's five-point outline was inspired. Well, it wasn't. Uh, while different Baptists say different things, some say we agree with a few points or two points or no points. And, you know, we all agree with this. The Bible tells us in 1 John 2, 2, that but John said, he didn't just die for my sins. He died for the sins of the whole, what? World. Limited atonement says he only died for the elect. So we don't agree with that. Now, there's a lot of other points. I'm not going to get into all the details of Calvinism, but I do think we're totally depraved. I don't know if we align up with the same semantics and word phraseology as they do, but I do know... Before I was saved, I was totally depraved. I mean, I was without hope, without strength, and outside uh, of God. I was an enemy of God, Scripture says. Do you know today if you're here and you're not a believer, you're an enemy of God? Think about that. That's something, isn't it? You were at enmity. That means an enemy. And so I'm so thankful that he grafted me into his family, that he saved me. But I had to repent. He knew I'd repent Many years before, I repented, and God saved me. So he chose me. And here it says, the elder unto the elect lady. And then the word lady is, is difficult to understand, and commentators are kind of divided on this. Now, let me just say this. We don't break fellowship on little issues, and this is really a small issue. And let me tell you where scholars stand, both sides of this, and you can study this and pray about it. 
and don't worry about where you end up on it. It's okay. The word lady. Now, normally when writers write a person, they name them. Philemon, Gaius, you know. Uh, some books are written to the scattered saints. Here is a book written to a lady, but she's not named. Some scholars believe this lady was a prominent lady in the church. Others say this is a, a reference to the church because the church is the bride of Christ and the feminine grammar there uh, would be then the church. So is this the church in general? Referring to all churches collectively as one. We don't use that term universal church. That's gotten liberal. But do you know, when you get saved, you're part of the church of God. Not, not the denomination church of God. You're part... Got to be careful with all this today, don't But you're part of the family of God. And you're brother and sister with people all over the world. And that's a wonderful experience. So some believe the lady here is a reference to the church. Others believe this is a specific person. But we don't know what church because the church is not named. So we don't know. But it doesn't matter. We, we can be on either side of that. And good men are on both sides of that. I've heard it preached two ways. I've read it both ways. And so it's one of those things I say to you. Don't worry about it. Decide for yourself. On one hand, I lean towards a specific lady because if you drop down to uh, a later verse, it says, your children, uh, your children. Verse 4, I rejoice that I found of thy children walking in truth. But then the other side of me says, this is not, this person's not named, so it's not a person. It's generally to the church. So anyway, we move on. Because the important stuff, it's all important, it's all God's word, but I want to get to here, is the elder and the elect lady and her children, whom I love, that's agape, in the truth. Now mark the word the, the truth. And not only I, but also they that have been, that have known the truth. Mark the word the. For the truth's sake, verse 2, which dwelleth in us. What's, what's that dwelling in us? The truth, obviously. Then we find the last phrase here, and shall be with us forever. What's going to be with us forever? The truth. Why is it important that I point out this little word the? Because it's a definite article. And if you know anything about your English language, that means something. Did you know while there's generally truth out in society, years ago my dad was on to tell the truth. And Art Linkletter, was he that guy on there? And my dad told a funny story how he had, uh, uh, he, he was traveling to a convention down in uh, those little islands down there, the Bahamas, and, and he was, um, he was supposed to speak at this convention for salespeople, and he didn't bring his underwear. He didn't bring a change of underwear for some reason. So he thought, well, what do I do? He said, well, I don't know what to do. My wife said, well, just wear some of mine. So he put, uh, crazy, my dad, he's telling his story. And, uh, of course, our church people roared with laughter at it. And it's just a funny story because my dad didn't have hips. So all the time he was speaking, my mom's underwear were sliding down on him. And that's crazy. But, you know, that's, that show is called To Tell the Truth. And there's so many other truths out there. The Bible is clear. I mean, we, we could say, I'm going to tell you the truth. This is wine-colored carpet or whatever. But the definite article changes everything in the passage. Because there's only one truth. And that's Jesus. And he's actually called the truth. I am the way. There's no other way of salvation. I am the truth. I am the life. 
And here he says, the truth dwells in us. And the truth will abide with us forever. Isn't it great to know he'll never leave me nor forsake me? The truth is in me. The truth is in me. And when I live a lie, I am miserable. Why? He's there. When I do something wrong, he's there. I wish sometimes he'd look the other way, but he doesn't. He says, shame on you, big boy. I'm going to turn you over my knee if you don't straighten out. You know, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. You never experienced that, do you? I know you do. Because I know he's there. And if you're a believer, he dwells in you. Do you know one day you'll be without this old tabernacle, this old sinful body of yours? Many of you today, you probably sinned. You either had a bad thought or you got angry about something. Just even today on the Lord's Day. Because you have a sinful body, you carry this ugly old body around, and your body may look good, but it's ugly in the eyes of God when it's sinful. You know. So here, the truth, verse 3 talks about truth again. It doesn't use the definite article. And in verse 4, he concludes saying, I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth. So first of all, it's important to walk in the truth, to walk in the truth. Then it's important to walk in love. Notice verses 5 and 6. He says, I be, goes on to say, I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love that we walk after his commandments. Goes on to say, you should walk in it, the last line. So we not only need to walk in love, we need to walk in truth, we need to walk in love. Walk in truth, walk in love. Now, in John's first epistle, he talked about walking in the light. Now he talks about walking in truth and walking in love. It's so important to, to walk in love. Why, why, should we love? why should we love one another? First of all, it's commanded. Go back to Leviticus. Love God, and then what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Did you know the Bible says no man ever hated himself? You see, I have low self-esteem. You know how to help that? On your knees. You can read all these self-help books all you want to, but until your relationship is what it needs to be with God, you'll not have self-esteem. Our sufficiency is in Christ. Christ. You want to feel good about yourself? Get on your knees, because he'll give you a feeling of peace and joy. So forget all the self-esteem talk. Get right with God. That, that's the foundation of everything good. So we love, we love one another for three reasons. And loving John, I, I, I like John. I, I'd like to spend some time. You can tell he's just a lovable guy, right? You remember at the Lord's Supper, Jesus is about to leave. Where's John's head? Don't you like that? He's, he's on Christ's chest. His head's right there. Just wanting to be so close to the Lord. And he talks about how the Lord loved him. John seems to be always a lovable guy. I remember one time Peter's a little riled up and he said, you're telling me I'm going to die on a cross. Basically, Peter died upside down. He didn't feel worthy to die on a cross. And, and God told him, Jesus Christ told him that. He said, well, what about him? And, and the Lord says, don't worry about him. What, what's that to you? And by the way, too, too often we worry about what's going on in someone else's life. We're all called differently. Some people are called in life to suffer. 
You ever meet a Christian who's just so sweet? I think Jody Erickson taught us so sweet, called to a life of suffering, and yet somehow with God, they live an abundant life. And you're like, wow. And I complain. I, I complain when I stub my toe. Or, or I complain when a little thing happens to me and look at her. We're all called differently. We all have different experiences. And you cannot look at other people and compare your life to theirs. We all have a cross to carry. I may not know your cross. You may know. You should know it. It's tough being a Christian, but, but we know we're all called. And, and John lived a full life. I mean, here he is. In 85 to 90 years after Jesus died, he's writing a book under the inspiration of God. God used him greatly. I mean, how old must John be? A hundred and something years old, you know? Think of that. Ninety years after Christ died, if he were 30 or the age of Christ, 33, when Christ died, we don't know that specifically. We have some ideas, but here he is. An old, old man living a full life. And we don't understand why some were martyred earlier and why some suffered more than others. And we don't understand why sometimes someone will get, a Christians are rich. I've known wealthy Christians in my life, and I thought, why can't I get a little of that? You know? Why, why is that guy rich and I, I'm not? I don't know that, but I can't look at him. God has a plan for my life, and I have to be content with that plan. You know? You say, well, you know, I always struggle with this or that, or I don't think I'm good looking, or I don't think I'm, I think I'm fat, or I think I'm skinny. And, and you know, you, you get caught up in that, and before you know it, you've taken your eyes off Jesus. Hey, keep, keep your eyes on the prize. Keep running this race. And so here, here, here we're to walk in love. Why should we walk in love? To obey him. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, what? Keep my we love to obey. Verse 5 says that. We already read it twice. It says that, that, that we, there's no new commandment. We're, we're the same old commandment. Love one another. Then we love to abide in Christ. Look at 1 John 2. Turn over there with a page with me to 1 John 2. Just a couple of pages. 1 John 2.10. I like this verse. And uh, I have a few of these verses typed out to save time. But that one's pretty close. In 1 John 2.10. It says, he that loveth his brother abideth in the light. And there is none occasion of stumbling in him. To abide in the light. Now, let me remind you who the light is. The light of the world is, you know that. John 1 says, he is the light. And in him was life and all those great things. And if, 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 if you love people, you abide in him. Isn't that interesting? Abiding is an interesting word. Look back in our text in 2 John, and we mark verse 1. It says here, uh, excuse me, and uh, I'm looking at the wrong verse. Um, I'm going to back up here too. Uh, let me find out where, I'm, where I am. I'm lost. I can't find my verse. But... Um, in verse, it's the word dwelleth. It should be in verse 2. There it is, right, right before me. I said verse 1, verse 2. For the, tr I'm not lost spiritually speaking. 
just lost my place in the text here. Verse 2, for the truth's sake, which what? Dwelleth in us. That's the same word translated abide. We just read the word about abiding. It's also translated remaineth. Uh, and, and one great, I, I love what uh, um, one great, great uh, person said. Uh, she said, she said this, if we abide in Christ, fruit will be a result of us simply being in Christ. It's not based on our work. So abiding is very important to abide in Christ. And Harriet Beecher Stowe said, fruit bearing, not by our efforts, by simply abiding. When you are on your knees in prayer, and you're reading your Bible, and you're listening to God's leadership, you know what's going to happen to you? You're going to bear fruit without even realizing it sometimes. You're just talking about Jesus, and you're not even thinking sometimes. You're just living a life that's drawing people to you. And if you lift Jesus up, he'll draw them in. You don't need to worry about that part of it. And when we are abiding in Christ, our life is automatically generating fruit. People recognize the Lord in us. People who don't like us will say, I have to admit, I don't like the person. I don't like her, but she's got something I don't have. Maybe they're jealous of something in your life. But when we abide in Christ, and when you love someone, it says you abide in Christ. We'll talk more about abiding in a minute. But third, so we, we love for several reasons to obey. We love to abide and we love to edify. Love to edify. First Corinthians 8 1 says, Love edifieth. Do you know what the word edify means? It, it means to build. It has to do with build, a building process. To build up. Do you, do you want to build a great church? You know how we build a great church? You say, I know Brother Dan's going to say we witness and we soul win. Absolutely, I'll always say that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I try to witness every chance I can. But to build a great church, that's great. But guess what we have to do? We have to build one another up. We don't have to flatter one another, but we have to build one another. In other words, when you come to church, you should say on your way to church, Lord, it doesn't end my ministry doesn't end now that I go to church. It's a continuation of my ministry. And I've got to build somebody. Someone at church is discouraged. Help me, God, to lift that person up with some encouraging words. Thanks, Joe, for the song. You know, Thanks, Jim Bob, for counting. Thank you to everyone. I, I'm thankful we got some good deacons here and a good youth leader here. I'm thankful for that. And I want to remind myself all the time, I'm so thankful for that. And we need to express that to one another. People go to church because they feel needed and wanted. Good to have the teenagers here. I want them here, don't you? Good to have you here. And when we feel needed and wanted, that's edifying. If you came to church, every time you came to church, somebody said something negative to you. You'd think, I don't, I don't want to go to that church anymore. But when you come to church and somebody encourages you, I like that person. I like that person. I remember years ago when I was a young guy, we joined a church. We were in our 20s. It's just a few years ago. And uh, I remember there was an old guy there that says, do you love me? And I'd say yes, as much as I think I could love somebody in the Lord, you know. And he'd say, it takes grace, doesn't it? 
We had another guy that always gave you candy when you came. You know, and, and, and those types of people make Sunday special. And if you come to church, you know, I, I don't like this colored carpet in here. No, I don't like what the deacons decided, and I don't like the pastor's preaching, and he didn't have a tie on today. What's wrong with him? I, I could have worn a robe and sandals, and then I don't know what you'd say. I love to wear ties, and I normally do, but, and nobody's complained, by the way, but my point is, when we go to a church and it's like that, we're like, I don't want to go back to that church. They're negative and critical. Love edifieth. He doesn't tear down. If you want to win people, build them up. Encourage them. Tell them you're happy they're here. I, I'd be embarrassed if I started calling out a few of our visitors and said, how many people made you feel special today? And if they said, none. I would feel embarrassed. I'm not going to do that. I think we're a friendly church, but we can do better. Right? Years ago, I played a trick on you. You weren't here, most of you. I had a friend who played the role of a homeless person. He did this as a ministry, kind of. And I said, I want you to come to our church. I was speaking on the Good Samaritan. And I said, come to our church as a homeless person. So he dressed up and, you know, just looked really ratty. And he came down the street and he sat out by our sign out there for a while. And then he walked up here and he sat in by the rose bushes. And one lady went out and says, you better not ruin our rose bushes. I thought, oh, my word, please help me, Lord. And she didn't know he was part of a prop, you know. So he came in and he sat in the back. And I know everybody in the back was looking because he's in the back row and thinking, does he smell? Do I need to move? You know. Did you know God's no respecter of persons? Well, preacher, don't say that. God's no respecter of persons. He loves that guy. Of course, that guy was being a little deceptive. So he's a little, but he loves that guy as much as he loves you and as much as he loves me. And then I had him testify at the end. I said, stand up, James, give a testimony. He stood up and said, good to be here today, Brother Dan. And he said, I'm not homeless, by the way. I do this as a ministry. And I mean, you could tell no one did this, but you could tell some people were a little bit <laughs> uncomfortable with this because maybe they avoided him. Jesus wouldn't have avoided him. He would have approached him. And he would have encouraged him. Jesus sat down and ate with drunkards. Can you imagine? And sinners, the worst of people he reached out to. God is no respecter of persons. So we love to build, to edify. We need to build people up. And you know, I'm only half done with my text. But we'll pick up and finish later. But I want to just say a couple more things. Verse 7 changes everything. It's a transitional verse. Anytime you see the word but or for or because, those are words that tell you the context is changing. So now he's going to tell you why. Why we walk in truth, in the truth, Jesus, and why we walk in love. Look what it says. For. Now we know that word sometimes is translated because. For or because. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. doesn't say the antichrist, but an antichrist. There's many antichrists, many against Christ. And anyone who propagates a message that doesn't claim that Jesus is everything he is, 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 is propagating false teaching, and they're against Christ. They're an enemy of God. 
And the text goes on to say several things about how to deal with these people. It might be shocking to you. You know, it tells us if a cult comes to your house, don't give them Godspeed. Don't give money. Don't feed them. Don't let them stay there. They housed a lot of traveling strangers back in those days, but they weren't to house somebody that would deny any of the doctrines of Jesus Christ. Did you know Jesus is God in the flesh? The Mormons don't teach that. Now, I know some Mormon people, and you do, and a lot of you would say to me, well, they do good works. But what does the Bible say about good works from a lost person? They are as filthy rags. I didn't say that God did, but that's sad to think about that. Here are people trying so hard, yet because they do not, do not accept the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the Christ. It's called the Incarnation, God in the flesh. God, Jesus Christ was a fullness of the Godhead bodily. The Godhead is a trinity. He's a fullness of that. I and my Father are, if you've seen me, Philip, you've seen the Father. Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born. It goes on to say he should be called an everlasting Father. Think of that. He is everything. When you accept Jesus, you get the whole package. Someone said, well, I, I got saved and then I went forward and I wanted to tarry and wait for the Holy Spirit to come into my life. doesn't work that way. When you receive Jesus Christ, you get the whole Trinity. Do you know that? Immediately, he takes up residence in your life, as does the Holy Spirit. The Bible even said God is in you, the Bible says. I mean, God, the Son, the Spirit, all in you. And so the doctrine of Christ is vitally important. And if people don't accept that, number one, they go to hell. And second of all, the Bible says their work, and their work is wickedness. Wickedness. Think of that. It's evil. So if, if, you, if you give money to an organization that propagates anything but the doctrine of Jesus Christ, if they don't admit and recognize Jesus is the incarnation, He is God in the flesh, the Bible says you're contributing to wickedness, to evil. He's the way. And He's the only way. He's not just a good man. He's the God man. He's God in you, the hope of glory. Isn't that great? And I have to stop because I'm halfway through. And after Bryce's point about me not being too long, I better quit while I'm ahead. Amen. Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you accept Jesus as Lord? as master, as God in the flesh. If not, trust him today. And if you're here today and you need to work on being a better edifier, you can come and pray for that. And if you're here today and need to join the church or be saved, our altars are always open, by the way. Someone asked me this morning about joining the church. I said, our altars are always open for people to join the church. If, you're, if you've trusted Jesus and you've been scripturally baptized, you can come. If you haven't been baptized, we'll baptize you one day. But the thing of it is, is your heart right with God? Are you at a place in your life where you ought to be? If not, you can pray. We don't know why you're praying, but we'll pray for you. We'll pray for you. And I'm going to come down to the altar today because I'm going to be praying for the church's direction. I want our church to, to be a soul-winning station, a missions-minded place, separated, called, and serving Jesus. Amen.
And I want to be the type of leader that God can utilize and use. And if not, I don't want to be in the ministry. This is not my church or yours. This is God's. And when we follow him, we're following the right way. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for sending Jesus the way. We thank you that we're encouraged in his word to walk in truth. And if we walk in truth, we will love. And we're supposed to walk in love. And to not be carried away with false doctrine. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus. And I pray that you just bless today the remaining moments we have together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing.